Welcome to season two of No Romance Without Finance. For those of you new to the podcast, this podcast is dedicated to my mother, who suffered greatly due to her lack of financial independence. In every episode, you will receive education, motivation, and inspiration to be a strong, financially independent woman so you can show up in your relationships from a place of power rather than need. We'll teach you how to tap into your strengths and build your empire so you can enjoy the freedom of financial independence and never end up under a man's thumb. So let's get into it and find out why there is no romance without finance. Welcome to No Romance Without Finance. Today, our guest is Nicole Eccles. Nicole is the founder and CEO of Glass House Fragrances, a global fragrance founded and brand headquartered in Sydney, Australia, with Wanderlust-inspired fragrances that take you to the most unique and luxurious destinations around the world without ever stepping foot in an airport. The scents are also very personal to Nicole, who came from a very humble beginning and were inspired by her desire to see the world and the travel-filled, glamorous life she one day hoped to have. In this episode, Nicole talks about her entrepreneurial journey, how she found a gap in the fragrance market and built her empire. She also talks about why you should never expect or rely on Prince Charming to build a life you want to live and gives us the three characteristics essential for all successful entrepreneurs. This podcast is brought to you by Citizens of Sound. They're the ones who make my podcast sound and look legit and not like I recorded it in my closet. They've held my hand every step of the way and helped me from A to Z. They are amazing. If you're even thinking about doing a podcast, they're the ones to call. Their contact is in my podcast description. Now back to the podcast. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Patty. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you so much. And I love having female entrepreneurs on the podcast because, you know, my podcast is No Romance Without Finance, and it is really about empowering women to be financially independent. And so many women feel like they're stuck and they, maybe they have an idea, right? And they're like, well, this idea is never going to go anywhere. Or they're afraid to take a leap. They're afraid to take a risk. But you just took an idea that you had and you took a risk and it happened. So I really want to delve into that. So tell us a little bit about how this idea came about and what took you to this place where you are now. So we, the company that I'm the CEO and founder of, it's called Glasshouse Fragrances. And I moved to Australia in 2005 for a work, for a role in a company and as the director of sales. And when I arrived in Sydney, I went to go to the store to buy products, you know, just fragrance, body products, candles, all of those sort of things that we have lots of in the States. And there was nothing. There was nothing. And so I thought there was nothing. And I said, wow, I'd always been looking for an idea that I could actually start something I felt would work a gap some white space that I could occupy. And there was just, you know, just moving country was right in my face. It was right there. 
and flash forward 17 years later, and now we are the largest fragrance brand in the Southern Hemisphere. And oh we just moved into yeah, moved into the States recently, and we're absolutely killing it. We're in Bloomingdale's, Neiman's, Dillard's. We just launched in Canada and Hudson Bay. It's just going so incredibly well, and I'm so pleased that that the audience there, the fragrance junkie lovers like myself, also feel like this is a great product and a great brand. That is phenomenal. So what was it about Australia and Sydney? Did, I mean, because candles and fragrances have been everywhere in the United States. What was it about Australia and Sydney that they didn't have this product? I don't know. I, I When I first moved here, I thought, well, maybe Australians don't like fragrance, you know? And I held these like, little focus groups in my house. I'd invite friends over. I had all these starter friends, you know, when you move to a new place and you have right, starter right, friends. Right, right, I had all these starter <laughs> friends and I invited them over and I thought, hey, you guys, you know, what do you do when you want to fragrance your home, when you want to, you know, and they just, well, we don't because when we go to the, you know, the dollar store, they have so-called fragrance candles or, you know, these hot dollar, whatever equivalent home stores. There was either that or you could go to these like little boutique, gorgeous, high-end, fabulous shops in, in, you know, fabulous neighborhoods. And they'd have like a Velospa candle that someone brought over and shipped it and then added their margin and added their margin. And they were selling Velospa, which is not an expensive product at all, for like $100. And I just thought... Oh, my goodness. Well, that's why. It was either exorbitantly expensive or cheap and nasty and you didn't want anything to do with it. And that was the space that we filled. And I love what you're saying because I, I always get asked a lot because I, I provide financing for businesses to buy businesses and, you know, in, in, in the commercial lending space. And people always ask me, well, what type of business should, should I create? You know, what type of business should I start? And I always say you have to start a business where there's a need, where there's a gap, right? When there, where there's a need and no one has satisfied it, whatever it may be. And if you just look around or think of your own experience, and that, that's what happened with you, right? It was your own experience going into it, going, wait, I want to fragrance my home and there's nothing. And then you took it to another level. You had your starter friends in the focus group and started asking people about it. So it was, you really dug into, is there a need for this product? And I think that's such a great place to start. Would you agree? Well, definitely. And I also feel like sometimes people don't know what they need. And this is a perfect example of that, is that the Australian consumer back then didn't have or use these products. It's like asking someone, did they need a microwave before they have a microwave? You know, <laughs> right. for used to say, if you would ask customers what they wanted, they'd say faster horses. So sometimes people don't know what problems you're solving till you actually invent something that solves that. So there was a little bit of that, but you're quite right, Patty. Like it's all about what is the gap? What is the white space? What are we filling? Or if it isn't a completely new to market product, what are you going to do that's unique, different, better to steal share from the competition? And in this market, I didn't have to steal any share. We created the scented candle category down under. And in the US, 
on the contrary, we're, we're stealing share because the share isn't growing, right? Maybe it'll grow by CPA, you know, one, two, 3%. Obviously COVID home fragrance grew like global stats, something like 35, 40%, but it's a market steal in the U.S. compared to what it was here. That is phenomenal. So after you have these focus groups and you realize that there is a gap, right? And what do you do next? Because from what I understand, you come from humble beginnings, right? You don't come from a you know, very rich family. I mean, I come from very, very humble beginnings. And I, I actually think that is one of the biggest reasons that I'm successful because I am hungry, man. I, you know, I, I want to succeed. I, I want to build something. So is that where that hunger came from? And where did you take it after the focus group? Well, it's so funny. And I love this podcast because I decided at a very young age that I wanted to live an extraordinary life. And I wanted it to be rich and full of amazing experiences. I wanted to travel everywhere. I wanted to see everything. I love fashion. I love glamour. I love fragrance, obviously. And I love amazing food and, and, and culture. And all of that costs money. All of it. And you're either going to fund it yourself or you're going to find someone who's going to fund it for you. And at five foot nine and, you know, a linebacker weight, I was really running out of hope that I was going to get a man to do that for me. I had a son at 19, my gorgeous son, Gregory, who's now 30 and he's incredible. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to have to do this myself. So I went on a rampage trying to find an idea that I could build, but it had to be authentically something that was valuable to me because I don't do things for money. I do things for love of product. And I've always said that if you build the best products and you focus on what your customers want, the money will come provided the financials work. Obviously you need the right cost base and so on. But I've always believed that we're still privately owned. You're right. I came from very humble beginnings. My mother's a nurse. My father worked for the state and we had no money. There's no inheritance. There's no. So I had to figure it out. I think people like us have a very unique set of skills. We're resilient. We're resourceful because we have to be or we're not going to get anywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing about you building a life for yourself, you know, you were saying you're five, nine, and that is really the best thing that could happen to you is the notion that your Prince Charming isn't coming. And I realized my Prince Charming was not coming when I thought I had my Prince Charming, when I was dating the rich guy that even me, even, you know, I was always ingrained to make your own money, have your own shit. Don't ever rely on a man, you know, but to get to the next level of life that I wanted, right. The, you know, the high flown traveling and flying first class and staying at the four seasons, that was going to be what a man was going to provide for me. I was able to pay my own bills. And when I was dating that guy. That's what I thought. I'm like, this is my Prince Charming. This is where my life's going to be. And he's going to bring that to me until he's, he, I found out he was cheating on me. And then that whole thing crumbled, that whole thing crumbled. 
And I quickly realized that if you want all that stuff, if you want that, if you really want that lifestyle, you got to be your own prince. You got to look after yourself and you have to make your own money to bring that lifestyle to you. Because if you're going to rely on someone else, either he's not coming or if he comes, it might be temporary. And even if it's long-term, right? It's a risk. Yeah. There is right, an incredible exactly. risk right. putting all your eggs in one basket. And, you know, I have friends that are extremely wealthy and they're very happy with their wonderful man who provides all of that. And I have friends that are down and out, like the movie, you know, Blue Sapphire with Kate Blanchett, because they had it all. And then it suddenly was taken from them in a way. And I, that's just not a risk I, I want to take. You know, I could have gone old and ugly, as they say. It's so funny, you know. But the other thing is, too, is I wanted it all. I want to be super attractive to the man. I want to feel in love. And I'm not saying that that's not a great tactic. Because for some people, it is, you know, and it works for them. But it didn't work for me. Because I don't like to take that level of risk with my life. And also... I had a child at 19. I, I had to provide for him. Exactly. And you can't risk his life, right? It's one thing to risk your life, but to risk his life, that's a whole different thing. And yeah, and I always also say that, and I learned this, there was a, a, a time period where when the market crashed in 2008, I lost my job in finance, everything shut down. And there was a period when I didn't work. So I was actually going to Barry's boot camp with all the soccer moms that were married to the rich people. And I learned very quickly that their lives just look good. They're driving the G wagons. They have all the fancy purses. They live in the mansions, but I'm telling you that all comes at a price and at a cost. None of the women were truly happy. Not one. Every single one of them before class, I would hear them talk and complain about how their husbands either is controlling them or, oh my gosh, I need to be back because I need to make sure that, you know, we have such and such ready for him or he was cheating or he's not, you know, emotionally available or whatever. And, you know, that lifestyle comes at a price. I have yet to know one person who's authentically happy in a lifestyle like that when they don't have anything for themselves. So that's why I well, think that- I do. I do know some, I do know one person, Patty, but I agree with you that it's rare. Extremely. Okay, one, it's as rare right? as, you, as, you know, one as rare as hen's teeth, rare as hen's <laughs> it's teeth. An aberration. It's an Right. So, I mean, yeah. like it doesn't happen that often. So, you know, your chances of being that one person is very, very low. All right. So now, now that we've gotten that out of the way, Tell us how you made the prototype. Tell us how you actually got this off the ground. Where did you get the money? So I'm a big networker, massive. And I do it. I, the word networking kind of conjures up different things to different people. But at the end of the day, I love people. I love connecting with people. And I love spending time with people. And through that, I met my business partner, who is absolutely wonderful. And he's a plastic surgeon. His name is Work Nettle. And he had lived and trained in the U.S. for his practice. And when I met him through my network, he said, you know, Nicole, I've been looking for a business idea that I can invest in. And, you know, because I'm a plastic surgeon, one day I'm, you know, I'm 
going to get older. I'm not going to be able to stand all day and do that. And I want a business idea. And he got it. He got it. I did a business plan. I sort of mapped out my idea. So I really, I did a proper business plan with all the assumptions that I knew. And I went to him with that and I asked for investment and he gave it to me. And it was amazing because, you know, it it wasn't this typical like VC or, you know, that sort of start where you have some sharks that are trying to take advantage of you. And he's a genuinely wonderful kind, smart, entrepreneurial person. And he saw this idea and he said, this is a good one. Let's try it. And he could afford to give me the seed capital. And I turned it into what we are today. So I got very lucky. I, a lot of entrepreneurs often ask me, you know, that's their big problem. Like how do you right. find Where the get, funding? Get the money. Well, that, that, there's no formula. There's no formula. It's about just turning over every stone till one something leads to the next. And if you generally have a good idea to your point and there is a gap, you'll be able to find that money. Yeah. Yeah. Because people, people will be like, Oh my gosh, I need this. Right. Investors will be like, yes, this is needed here. I'm this is gonna, a good idea. And, this is a great idea and I'm going to get my money back plus, right? So they're, they're not afraid to lose money when it's a great idea. And so how did you actually start making soap? Were you familiar with how to make, how to make soaps or candles or? Well, not, no, I, but the answer is no. And to even compound that whole like crazy thought, we had to start our own factories. So we're one of the few brands on the planet that makes everything ourselves. And when I start, and that's because there was no, I had this idea of creating the world's best product and the contract manufacturers that I could find down here in Australia weren't very good. So I decided, okay, we're going to have to start our own factory. And, you know, you just start doing a lot of research. You, you bring people in, remember I had investments. So I was able to say, okay, we need to fly someone out to help us consult with us about what equipment we're going to need. And how to do this certain thing. But I would say now that we're 17 years old, our products are probably the best on earth. They really, really are. But that's because I've been working at it for over 15 years to perfect it, to perfect it. What do I need to change? How do we make it better? It's a never ending improvement scenario. And it's, you know, I had to learn. So Patty, the short answer is, it's very difficult. And even now there's things we learn every time we do a new type of product, there's always something that you don't know about it, that you have to learn about it to really master it and make something amazing. And this is such a great lesson for all the listeners is that we typically get discouraged when we start something new because we're not good at it. And I want everyone to understand whatever you start new, you're going to suck at it in the beginning. I'm sure your first prototype was not great. So, and I, I've seen this tweet and, and I, you know, I'm going to butcher it, but it's saying your first talk is going to be horrible. You know, your first written essay is going to, is going to be horrible. Your first, you know, your first dinner that you make is going to be horrible. Your first, everything is going to be horrible. And it takes time for you to perfect your craft and you have to keep working at it. And there's a theory that says that you have to spend 10,000 hours on something in order to be an expert, 10,000 
thousand hours. That is a lot of work, right? And in order to be an expert, in order for you to be top of your game, that's what it requires. And even me with my TikTok channel, oh my gosh, I look at my first videos. I'm like, holy shit, what was I do? like amateur hour, you know, versus what it is now. You got it, but you but have to start somewhere. You got to start foot in somewhere. Front of the other. One exactly. foot in front of the other. Exactly. And and that's why I find inspiration in you. And I think people should really find inspiration in your story because you didn't have a background in candle making. You didn't have a background in any of this. You were, you were just a hustler with an idea and you really, really made it happen. And that really is such a great story for everybody to understand that you can do it too, right? I mean, you didn't have a secret sauce that others don't, correct? I mean, I, I don't because look, I have always had an insanely good sense of smell and olfactory memory from, you know, that from, in terms of the business I chose to go into, I would say that you have to really be interested. A lot of people start a business and they really have no interest in the product or don't care about it. And particularly in my field, which is beauty and home. You have to love it. You have to know it. You have to know what your customers want at a very, very, very intimate, detailed level. If you've got that, of course you can. And you just have to be, look, they say all successful entrepreneurs have like three things in common and it's not personality type. It's three things. They're resilient. They're incredibly optimistic no matter what. And they do not give up. So that is kind of the common common thread that all entrepreneurs have. And I think if you have that, you can achieve anything. Absolutely. I love the, that you said that. And, you know, since you did say that, Nicole, how long did it take for you from the time that you started for you to get a taste of success for you to say, okay, now I think I feel successful in doing this. How many years did it take? It took a long time. So they say an overnight success is 10 years. 10 years. You, know, you look Absolutely. at our brand. Yep. You look at our brand and we've been now going for 17. We just launched in the US less than two years ago. We're in Bloomingdale's Neiman Marcus. We're in, about to launch in Dillard's. We're in Macy's this Christmas. We launched in Hudson Bay, which is the big Canada. And we have about a thousand independent retailers. I would say I'm finally starting to feel successful. Even wow. though seventeen years, paper, even though on paper, and in terms of every business metric and financial metric, I've been we were we've been successful year by year three because again we started the category here so we weren't clawing for share we weren't fighting. I think I've always set out to build a global fragrance brand. That's what I set out to do. That was my vision. And now that we've launched in the US and we're in China and New Zealand and Australia and Japan, I said, okay, you know what? I think I'm finally getting there. But the US was the main thing because I'm American, obviously, and I'm from New York. And if I can't make it in my own hometown, I don't feel like I've really made it. And now I do. I feel like we've made it now. Well, you know what, girlfriend, you did it. You had a vision, you executed it, you didn't you didn't let it go, and you are a global global brand. Tell the listeners, I know you said, you know, where, where you are, but Glasshouse Fragrances, where can they find you and your your all your fabulous products? 
Oh, well, I think the best place to start is to go to glasshousefragrances.com. There's a stockist locator that you can find. But in terms of department store, bigger retailers, we're in Neiman Marcus and Bloomingdale's. We'll be in Dillard's in September. And those are probably the best places to get the most of what we do. We're also at the Hot Group, Look Fantastic, which is a big online beauty store. And we're in about a thousand independent, beautiful gift and boutique and beauty apothecary style stores across the country. If you put your zip code in there, you can find us. But the products are amazing. So sorry to plug, Patty. Sorry to plug. You got to no, no, I I want you to plug. And I want you to plug because I want to support women-owned businesses. And I want to support women who are hustlers, who came from nothing and have made an amazing, amazing something of themselves. And you are an example of that. So, Nicole, thank you so much for being on the show. I mean it. You, thank you so much for being on the show. You are an an inspiration to me. I'm sure you're an inspiration to all the listeners. You've built such an amazing company. I'm going to buy a lot of your products and I'm going to support you and I'm ho- and I hope the listeners will too. So thank you for, for being on our well, show. Thank you, Patty. And the feelings are mutual. So thank you for having me on today. Of course. And thank you everyone for listening to the show. Please make sure to subscribe and also rate the show. That's the way that we keep things going. And until next time, never forget that a man is not a financial plan.